going on, everybody? Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, back again, AGP, back again, episode number 78. So this is the real, I would say, first episode we've gone into when we're talking about the Giants offseason. So today I'm going to address the guard position, some of the salaries, you know, the dead cap, and what different sites are saying when it comes to our cap this offseason. And also I'm going to get into who should be retained as impending free agents, and you know who did the Giants sign to futures contracts? So let's get into that right away. But let's talk about the guard position. Kevin Zeidler, Shane Lemieux, Will Hernandez, and Kyle Murphy are the guards. Murphy did not spend a game active. He was inactive for most of the games that he was on the active roster. Did not get any sort of playing time. So the three Musketeers are Zeidler, Hernandez, and Lemieux. Now let's get into it. Um, I'm going to talk about the Hernandez-Lemieux thing first. Now, both are left guards. Both have played for the Giants. And obviously, Hernandez had some, you know, really, I would say, tough proving things. I don't know how to word it, really. Because this is his second coaching staff. Now, he's gone through multiple offensive line coaches. That's a different story. But this is his second coaching staff. Pat Shermer, all those guys are gone. Joe Judge, Mark Colombo, then Day Guglielmo. So that's one point to bring up there. This is his second coaching staff, and will they like him over a guy that they drafted in the fifth round? So weeks one through seven, obviously Hernandez was the left guard. And the offensive line, you know, that was pretty bad. Um, obviously, you expect struggles out of Thomas and struggles around, you know, the offensive line out of some other guys like Nick Gates, who's playing center for the first time, but probably was one of the more consistent linemen on this offensive line. Matt Parrott struggled at the end, so you're going to get that. But, you know, there's been this whole debate, I would say, over the last couple weeks, ever since Lemieux came in. Oh, well, Hernandez is better. Oh, Shane Lemieux is better. Let's fuel the fire for the Hernandez argument first. So, if you guys listen to analytics, Will Hernandez was second in run block win rate among offensive guards in the NFL. I think Quentin Nelson was the first. Um... Hernandez gave up one sack this season as well. He did give up a couple of pressures and hurries, though. Um, but he is better in pass protection, and a lot of people see and say by the eye that he is better in the run game. Now let's talk about Shane Lemieux. And this is, you know, stats I'm getting from Zach Rosenblatt and a couple other guys because they're putting this stuff out that they're getting from, like, beat reporters and other of that stuff. Um, Shane Lemieux allowed five sacks and 24 pressures from Week 8, to week 17, which is not very good, but it is normal for an offensive guard of his caliber because he's a fifth-round pick. You know, if it was a first-round pick, I would say, hey, you know, what's going on with this guy? Hernandez didn't even do that in that span in his first year. I mean, he played pretty well um, despite some of the rookie struggles, and last year obviously was a drop-off. So this is a stat I got, and I don't know how accurate it is because I said, you know, five sacks and 24 pressures for Lemieux, but... This stat really, I would say, refutes that, really rebuttals it. So, weeks one through seven, obviously, Thomas, Andrew Thomas, played next to Will Hernandez. The duo gave up 36 pressures and five sacks in those seven games. Now, you take a look, week eight to the rest of the season. Now, obviously, it's interchangeable because you have Shane Lemieux and Hernandez rotating. But with Thomas and Lemieux as the starting duo from week eight on, 20 pressures and 4 sacks. 
So obviously, you know, that doesn't make a lot of sense with the five sacks, 24 pressures one, but everyone says something different because, oh, uh, this company, this site categorizes something as a pressure, this company, this site doesn't. It's kind of weird. Everyone's trying to act like they know more football than somebody else, but obviously the stats will tell you um, that Thomas and Hernandez didn't do as great of a job as Thomas and Lemieux. Now, when you're categorizing that, I would say, look, maybe Lemieux um, and Thomas were better than Will Hernandez and Thomas, but Hernandez was a better individual player. And what does Kevin Zeitler have to do with this? Now, a lot of people envision before the season, Shane Lemieux is going to be the right guard of the future. Um, he may go to center, blah, blah, blah. You know, this is finally the offensive line we have for the future. And what I say to that, obviously, I jumped on that bandwagon. But now it's a different story because week 17, Will Hernandez did not play a snap. Now, I know Matt Parrott did not play a snap either after struggling against the Ravens. He had two sacks, whether you like it or not. But um, he didn't play in week 17. That has to tell you something. And a lot of people are saying, well, he's now fallen out of favor, in which could be very well much the case and it's unfortunate because I like the guy but why is Kevin Zeitler a part of this a lot of people have said you know we need to cut Kevin Zeitler because of his cap money and over the last couple of weeks I've been thinking look Will Hernandez he's falling out of favor Shane Lemieux it's going to take him a little while longer to actually adjust to the NFL game and you know he's not going to be Week one of next year, he's going to be, oh, this starter, you know, this great starter. He's not going to be that. He's probably still going to have some rookie struggles. We'll see what happens in the preseason. If we have one, hopefully we do. We'll see what happens there and then. And people are obviously saying cut Kevin Zeitler because, you know, Thomas, uh, excuse me, Will Hernandez and, and Shane Lemieux are the guards of the future. So, obviously... Those two with Hernandez and Lemieux playing to Kevin Zeitler. Now, a lot of Giant fans obviously want Giants to sign Williams, Giants to sign Tomlinson, Giants fans want um, to sign Allen Robinson to get a deep threat for Daniel Jones. And two different sites actually list two different cap uh, situations. Now, the salaries are the same, but they list two different numbers. And this is just, I believe, predictions for right now because we don't know what the actual cap number is going to be in late February, early March. So Spotrek has it at negative 2.2 million, while over the cap has it at 8.1 million. So it's very, I would say, strange. But when I'm talking about these players, these are cap casualties. These players' salaries, um, they're the same through both websites, obviously. So Nate Solder... You have $10.5 million in dead cap and $6 million saved if you release him. Golden Tate, you have about $6.1 million in savings, $4.7 million in dead cap. David Mayo and Levine Toilolo, $2.9 million in savings, zero in dead cap. You have Cody Core, the special teamer, $2 million in cap savings, zero in dead cap. And then you have Evan Ingram, $6 million in savings, zero in dead cap. Now, I'm going to put it into perspective here and put it on both sites. And, like, you know, 
just sort of organize it that way so somebody gets an idea of what it is on both sides. So, spot track without Zeitler in dead cap, the Giants would have about 15 million in dead cap. Cap savings, I think it's 26 million, and then total would be 23 0.7 million dollars in cap. This is without Zeitler on spot track. I know Chris Lianatena, he used spot track for his other video. I think it was yesterday. Um, now, spot track with Zeitler, 17 million or 17.7 million in dead cap. Cap savings 38 million and total 35.7 million in cap. Now, there are some other moves you can make, like Riley Dixon. He didn't necessarily have the greatest year. You have Jordan Berry in free agency. You have Andy Lee in free agency, even though he's 39. You have a couple of these punters that you could sign for cheap that are not necessarily going to be commanding big money. So let's go to over the cap. And that's the first one I did before I saw Chris's video. And I said, you know what? Let me factor in spot track because people could be looking at a different site. So without Zeidler, uh, overthecap.com, 15 million in dead cap, 26 in cap savings, and it's about the same, I would say, but the total is different, $34 million, 34.2 to be exact, and total cap space that you could use. Now, you factor in Kevin Zeitler in here. Dead cap, 17.7, as I said, 38 million in cap savings, and then you have total, which is 46 million or 46.2 million. So, it is really interesting to see what the Giants will do this offseason. And you can't necessarily say, oh, this side has it right, this side has it wrong. Everyone is basically throwing their hat in there and just seeing if they pick up the right thing. Um, I don't know which is more accurate, to be honest. I know a lot of people use over the cap. A lot of people use spot track. Um, they both have this thing where you get to be the GM and you get to... Uh, subtract contracts and like cut people and then add people and see how much cap you would have it's kind of like madden but it's not um but it's going to be interesting to see what they do with zeitler um my opinion and i'm gonna really formalize this opinion probably over the next couple of weeks because i have to see you know how can we sign this person how could we sign leonard williams and dalvin tomlinson back this is a preview um of what's to come because I put who are impending free agents because two of those guys are impending free agent uh, guys and I want them back. Obviously, continuing on this defense is really, really a factor going into the next year when you could add more pieces. Um, and obviously, we need some stuff in free agency. You can't just, you know, say, ah, I'll leave it for the draft. And I've said over the last couple of weeks, I even said it when I was on with the hub, you need to assess a lot of the in-house stuff before you go out the house. You know, basically, like the Wayne Gallmans of this world, um, any other free agents that you might sign for, like, I don't know, uh, a depth piece? I mean, sure, you could get depth pieces in free agency. You could also get undrafted free agents, which uh, probably mean the same as, I would say, like an Isaac Yadam or a Ryan Lewis. But if the Giants choose to go guard in the draft with either... Zeitler on the roster, which I don't think they'll do, because I think at that point they'll say, hey, you know what, Shane Lemieux, you're our left guard, Zeitler, you're our right guard, we like you, but Hernandez is going to be the backup. So here are some guards in the NFL draft, and obviously this could also happen, probably more likely to happen, if the Giants end up cutting Zeitler for his cap money. 
So here are some of the guards that are in the NFL draft. You have Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC, Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma, and this is like first, second round. Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers at Ohio State. Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. You move into like third, fifth round. Trey Smith, Tennessee. Ed Ingram out of LSU. Aaron Banks out of Notre Dame. Chasen Hines out of LSU. Jackson Carmen, Clemson. Cade Mays, Tennessee. Thayer Munford, Ohio State. Royce Newman, Ole Miss, David Moore, Grambling, Zion Johnson, Boston College, and also you have uh, Tommy Kramer at Notre Dame, my favorite college. But I'm going to say this, and let's just say the Giants keep Zeitler. I would not cut Will Hernandez, and Giants can do whatever they want. I'm not going to you know, force them to do anything. I really can't, but I'm not going to sit here and cry about it, but I think the Giants should keep Will Hernandez either way. Not because, oh, it's a Gettleman draft pick, but I think he's a solid guard. Sure, Lemieux's chemistry might be good with, let's say, Andrew Thomas, but, you know, you have Zeitler and you have Hernandez in there. What if which one of them gets injured? You know, are you going to rely on a career backup guard? Are you going to go out in free agency, get a guard? Or are you going to go in the draft and, you know, basically get a guard that's going to take a while to develop and do you want solid play from a veteran um like Hernandez who's played in the NFL for the past almost four years now or do you want you know average to below par play from a guard that you sign in free agency or a developmental project like a guard from the draft my opinion I would still take Hernandez and to like I would say close out this argument. Here's what I would say. You can be on any side you want. But in my opinion, a lot of Giant fans really hold Will Hernandez accountable because of his expectations. A lot of the people said in the draft guys, and they said, oh, Will Hernandez, you know, when he gets drafted, he's going to be this Pro Bowl guard, this all-pro. His first year was impressive. But the last two years, he's been average to below average. And he's not that horrible. You know, it's, I think a lot of Giant fans, as I said, are pissed off that the expectation did not come to fruition. And I would keep Will Hernandez because I would rather have a second round pick. Now, me being like a GM or a team owner, I would rather have a second round pick that's, you know, um, about average and gives you 16 games a season rather than a second round pick for a guard that either the guard plays horrible and he's a complete bust or a guard that plays well but only plays like six games a season so I would keep Will Hernandez if I was the New York Giants in that fashion so let's go to uh, the free agents and I'm going to discuss obviously cap situation another different day um, when it comes to re-signing some players um, let's go into uh, unrestricted free agents First one, and I'm going to say yes or no to one of these. Obviously, you're not looking at the cap with this one. You're just making a decision. Adrian Colbert, I'm going to say no. Um, I don't think that, you know, he made much of an impact. Maybe special teams, sure. Um, but Colbert, he's like, you know, one of the Graham guys. That's why they brought him in. I think it's just like a one-year rental, to be honest with you. Um, the Giants did pick him up off the waiver wire in 2020. But I don't know that he'll be here another year. Nate Ebner. I'm going to go with yes if he is on special teams. If he's used as like a depth piece but not special teams. And 
I would not imagine that the Giants would do that. You know, I would not want Ebner back. I mean, see what you have in free agency when it comes to core special teamers. But I would keep Nate Ebner uh, for the Giants. Kyler Fackrell, a lot of people are predicting him to come back because, you know, he's a Graham guy. A lot of people are saying, you know what, get rid of him because we really need an edge guy that, you know, basically like a Greg Rousseau and a couple others that are in the draft and in free agency as well. And I say yes to him coming back. Um, I don't think in any sort of way that he will be playing 110% of the snaps. But at the same time, I could also say no because you have Carter Coughlin, you have Cam Brown, you have Lorenzo Carter coming back off of a season-ending injury. Same with O'Shane Zimenez. So you have a full room of linebackers. Would you be? Would you really be, you know, up for bringing back Kyler Fackrell just because he fits the scheme and you know he had what three, four sacks? So that's going to be a decision that Joe Judge and Patrick Graham have to make. Also, Dave Gettleman as well. So the next guy, Cameron Fleming. I'm going to say no. Now, I know a lot of Giant fans really overreacted to the way he played this season. I could say, you know, sometimes that I did overreact, especially when I was watching the TV. But there are a couple solid options out there you could go with at tackle. Ty Naseki, he's one. He's a decent backup Daryl Williams from the Bills. He's another one. Um, he played for the Panthers a couple of years ago, and he really did solid for the Bills this season. Um, there's a couple other ones. Zach Banner I wouldn't take the chance on, to be honest with you, because he has a season-ending injury. But if you take a look at the free agents that um, are at tackle, not the big money ones, also Taylor Moton from the Panthers, um, a lot of these guys you know, I think are better than Cameron Fleming as backups. Sure, you know, you could have your Trent Williams and, you know, sign big tackles, but that's not our need. I don't think the Giants are going to be pursuing a tackle like Trent Williams. Or I think there's another big-name tackle on the market. I don't know. But with Ty Nisecki and um, the other one I mentioned, Taylor Moton and Daryl Williams on the market, I would not bring Cameron Fleming back. Um, this season wasn't really the greatest one for him, and, you know, did we really expect him to start at right tackle? No, we did not because of the solder opt-out. And now you got to put Fleming in the starting lineup week one. That's what I got to say. Running back, Wayne Gallman. Yes, I've been a Gallman defender for the past how many weeks now? Um, Saquon's not going to be 100%. Now, apparently the doctors are saying, you know, it's a good recovery so far. It's faster than expected. But I would still keep Wayne Gallman. Now, could he be commanding big money or bigger money than he had on his rookie contract? Sure, because, you know, um, I think a lot of teams are looking at what he did when it came to backing up Saquon Barkley, A, and B, what he did when Saquon wasn't on the active roster, when he was on IO, and when Gallman was the number one back. So that's something for other teams to look at, and that's something for Gallman to decide, hey, do I want to sit here and be a number two guy, or do I want to go out somewhere else and, you know, possibly get in a rotational system when it comes to running back. So I would keep Wayne Gallman around. I think he's a solid runner, hits holes really nicely, isn't a pizzazz like Saquon Barkley would give you. But you know what? I'd rather him over maybe somebody like a Deion Lewis or an Alfred Morris. So Austin Johnson is next. I would say yes and no at the same time. I don't really have my mind made up on it. Uh, he did okay this year. Um, didn't 
obviously get too many pressures, but obviously the reason why um, he was signed was because of his run defense from the Titans, and obviously he flourished there. Now, he wasn't like Leonard Williams where he was tackling for a loss, and, you know, he made some flashy plays, but um, as a depth piece, probably. But you also have to keep in mind where you have B.J. Hill and you have R.J. McIntosh, those guys are defensive tackles that could be rotational, and, you're, you know, they're not free agents. They are fifth-round picks of Dave Gettleman. Excuse me, fifth-round pick being McIntosh, third-round pick being Hill from 2018. So, you know, there um, you have some depth pieces, some young pieces. And in that situation, I would choose to let go Austin Johnson. But if they're not going to utilize McIntosh, if they're going to play Hill like they did this year, uh, you might as well bring him back. Long snapper Casey Kreider really didn't have an issue with him, so I'm going to go with yes. Deion Lewis, no. And there were times that he was fumbling this season. I just did not like his play at all. Um, Didn't really hit holes properly. He's getting up there in age, so there's no really reason to bring him back. Sure, you need a good backup running back, but Wayne Gallman, maybe another guy in there is good as well. Cole McCoy, I liked what he did this season for a caliber QB like him. But I'm going to say no. I think the Giants, you know, have to recognize these last two years with Daniel Jones being out two games in the past, you know, each of the two seasons, that they have to get a QB when they're winning that is a good backup, like a Teddy Bridgewater, like a Jacoby Brissett. Now, I don't think they'll be commanding big money because I think they've accepted in this part of their career, now maybe not Bridgewater because he was a starter in Carolina, but... A guy like Brissett, a guy like, I don't know, who else is on the market that's a better caliber QB and could go in there and win you a football game, unlike Colt McCoy. Now, McCoy did, but, you know, that was obviously very defensive uh, and also very heavily reliant on the run game. So, nothing against McCoy. I like what he did. Um, Didn't piss me off, really. I mean, a lot of Giant fans that Seattle game were, like, really getting pissed off with him. Um, Obviously, it's a fan reaction, but... Again, you know, I feel like in the future, if Daniel Jones keeps getting hurt, you're going to need a backup quarterback, either A, for a bridge QB, or B, um, bridge QB being if they decide to draft over him next year or whatever year, and they want to, you know, not throw the quarterback in the fire right away, so they, you know, sign a veteran quarterback like Andy Dalton or Teddy Bridgewater, you know, one of those guys. But number two, for a guy... And obviously, the Giants have a lot of great expectations next year of actually going in and winning about 9 to 10 games. And you don't really want to lose a game with, you know, all the weapons you have on offense if you don't have your quarterback in there. And you have a Colt McCoy who's, you know, not going to be making big downfield passes. He's not going to be Daniel Jones. And a lot of people would expect him to be, but that's just not going to happen. So, uh, Colt McCoy, I liked you for this year, but... Let's, you know, let's find someone else. Alfred Morris, no, one-year rental. Did okay, but bye-bye. Jabal Shear, same situation. He flashed in the run game. He had that uh, forced fumble against the Cincinnati Bengals. Played well, but again, you know, just a one-year rental. Dalvin Tomlinson and Leonard Williams, both yes. Both yes. Um, Tomlinson said he would take the hometown discount, and I do, you know, I would say sympathize with that because, you know, I like that. Um, that he actually wants to stay here for the rest of his career. And, you know, I like him as a player. Run stuffer, motor pass rusher. Williams, the same thing. 
Uh, he's going to be asking for about $20 million this year. So you better bet on the fact that uh, he's probably going to be back. So now for the restricted free agents, Ryan Lewis. I say bring him back for depth, but if the Giants draft the corner, uh, they could probably just say, you know what, he's competing for the preseason. I mean, um, you have Darnay Holmes, you have James Bradbury, you have Isaac Yadam right now under contract, but they could cut him, you know, who knows. Um, as I said, they may draft a corner, but um, definitely you're going to need to keep some corner depth, especially after what happened in the last couple of games with the corners, you know, James Bradbury, COVID, Darnay Holmes, last couple of games with injury. Also to note that Julian Love, he can play corner. Played really nicely um, against Mari Cooper, against CeeDee Lamb, against Michael Gallup. So I really like him. You know, didn't play that great safety this year. But you know what? Give him a new shot at corner. You don't want to... You know, sit there and throw him out and put him in the garbage. Meanwhile, he could play corner really well. You know, what's the motto for Joe Judge? You play them to their strengths. That's what the Giants got to do here. Uh, Damari Scott, there's no really sense in keeping him. Um, I mean, what was it, 2019 we got him, and he played a little bit of offensive snaps, returned one punt for like 36 yards against the Dolphins. There's no point in keeping him. I mean... Listen, you know what? It's everyone's decision to opt in or opt out. He just happened to opt out, but even if he had, you know, opted in, I really wouldn't have said a different answer. You know, he's just a depth guy. He's just like a flunky, for lack of better words. So, goodbye. Uh, exclusive free agents. CJ Board. He would probably say yes. Me, I'd probably say yes to him. Um, you know, obviously... You know, teams in the past have, like, had those number four, number five guys that also contribute on special teams that, like, fans want to bring them back. But at the same time, you know, the I would say uh, the GMs and the ownership, they end up, you know, just leaving them and they end up letting them walk. Like, CJ Board could be one of those players, but I didn't think he did that bad this year when it came to filling in for... Uh, different receivers. I didn't think he did that bad. You know, he didn't have any like major drops, maybe like one, but um, who knows? With Dre Harper, I'm going to say no. Um, I know people are going to question, oh, you said no to Madre Harper, but you said yes to Ryan Lewis. I thought Ryan Lewis played, I would say, decent before his injury, and Madre Harper is kind of like a depth guy. Uh, special teams as well. He had one fumble recovery, which was good. That was against the football team. So I'm going to say no to Madre Harper. And finally, Austin Mack. He had that one key drop against the Ravens, but I'm not going to sit there and criticize him for it because he is an undrafted free agent, but that is a catch you have to make. I'm going to say bring him back. Um, Benjamin Victor, Derek Dillon, Austin Mack, those are the guys that we were excited about this offseason because we did not draft a wide receiver, and those guys you know, had the best shot of possibly being downfield guys. But, um, excuse me. They really didn't make it to the active roster. I mean, Mac did, but the other two didn't. Both of them have signed uh, contracts for being futures players. So let's go into those future contracts. Um, for some reason, I don't see Benjamin Victor's name on here, but that doesn't mean he didn't sign a future contract. Um, but hey, who knows what happened. Uh, Alex Bachman, he was supposed to be a, I would say, key person for the Giants this season, maybe like a David Sills guy, but obviously he didn't make the roster at all. Jordan Chun, running back, I don't know much about him. 
Derek Dillon, obviously, uh, you caught what I said a couple of seconds ago. Trent Harris, I didn't feel he did a bad job at outside linebacker, obviously, when our depth was really um, not that great at outside linebacker going through the season. Obviously, he had that one sack against the Eagles. Um, we'll see how he does next preseason if they make it through the uh, camps and the offseason programs. Montre Hartage, he's another one of them Patrick Graham guys. We'll see with him. Rice and John, he was supposed to be something, you know, decent. Wide receiver, tight end, whatever he is. Um, we'll see next preseason because I feel bad. Because a lot of these players, um, they're on the future contracts. They, they didn't really get to express themselves this preseason because of what the NFL did and said, you know what, we're not having a preseason. We're going to benefit the big players, which didn't really make any sense. Listen, you know what, COVID is very serious. I don't deny that. But you had how many months to uh, prepare? Come on. Uh, Tyquan Mazel, former running back at the Chicago Bears. I thought he was okay when I saw him at the uh, Bears-Giants game from 2019. That was the preseason game. David Moa, don't know much about him. He's a defensive tackle. Chad Slade, not surprised. Uh, I think this is the second or third year in a row he's been signed to a futures contract. Um, Alex Tanney, no surprise there. Going to keep an extra quarterback. They're actually keeping another quarterback and another quarterback. Uh, Clayton Torson backed up Colt McCoy this season in those two games where Daniel Jones was out. Carson Tinker, the long snapper from the Jaguars. Uh, who knows? Maybe he's the future long snapper and Casey Kreider isn't. Joe Webb, I mean, he was mostly like a special teams guy. Back up just in case Colt McCoy got injured against the Browns. Kenny Wiggins, um... Can't say much about him. He was a former, I think, Lions guard. Jaron Williams played a couple of special team snaps, but other than that, don't have much to say on him. Quincy Wilson, former Jet and former Indianapolis Colt, don't have much to say on him. Didn't actually, you know, play with the Giants this season. They were, he was on the practice squad the whole season. As a portion, you know, he was with the Giants. Tight ends, Nakia Griffin-Stewart and Nate Weeding. Uh, Weeding, I think, came from Iowa and... Nakia Griffin-Stewart came from, I don't know, somewhere else, but I think he was with the Vikings for a little bit. And uh, the last guy, Kale Garrett, I think his name is. Uh, they just signed him today to a futures contract. Kale Garrett, former Missouri linebacker, signed with the Vikings in September, got released off the practice squad. So um, not much to you know say for these future contract guys. A lot of these guys don't even stay around. Um, you know, for the season, some of them actually get cut within uh, – the camps, the mini camps, the training camps, you know, they don't even make it to the preseason sometimes. And a lot of them, if not most of them, you know, get cut in the preseason. So it's no surprise there. But anyway, thank you guys for listening. The podcast platforms are below Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Castbox, and Overcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. As I said, 27 away from 100. Let's make it there, hopefully, before the end of the month. If not, I'll still be grateful when we get 100 subscribers and also Instagram and Twitter for updates and takes and other stuff like that. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you on Friday.